Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jadikin. We have a Patreon account. And we have bonus content there. If you want to subscribe, it's patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. We're going to thank the people who subscribed this week. Take it away, Desi. Okay. So we are sending thank you to Jade, Amy, Ramya, Chloe, Sean, Tracy, Stephanie, John, Andrea or Andrea, uh, Ellen, Jill, Danielle, Lisa, Mark, Mary, Jenna, Kim, Jess, Bronte, Beth, Jeff, Carly, Hannah, Sally, Katie, Jason, Rhea, Jake, Robin, Bailey, R. Reese, Jennifer, Christy, Leah, and Melanie. Thank you all. Thank you, guys. This is part two of Bugsy Siegel. There will be a part three because there's a lot to talk about. My main source for this episode is the book called Bugsy Siegel, The Dark Side of the American Dream by Michael Schneerson. And I also used a lot of old newspaper articles. Where we last left off, the cops were looking into Siegel for the murder of Tony Fabrazzo. Prohibition ended, and Siegel had recently moved into a house with his wife and daughters in Scarsdale, New York. Siegel's next move was to try his luck on the West Coast. He wanted to seek out new opportunities for the syndicate, as well as reinvent himself in glamorous Los Angeles. Ben Siegel first arrived in Los Angeles in 1933. He already had a contact there. Gangster-turned-Hollywood actor George Raft. Raft had recently acted in the 1932 movie Scarface, propelling him into stardom. While Siegel's main objective in Los Angeles was to seek new opportunities for the syndicate, according to Raft, quote, he came out here because he wanted to be somebody. Siegel had long been fascinated by the glitz and glamour of Hollywood, and now he had a chance to be a part of it. Siegel managed to elbow his way into the city's underworld, taking on a reluctant partnership with L.A. crime boss Jack Dragna. Now, Dragna was not happy about partnering up with Siegel and sharing in the profits from his gambling rackets. He had his own thing going on. He's like, who is this guy coming in from New York and stepping on my turf? That's always... Something that happens in like movies about the mafia, they're like, Hey, I'm helping out now. And it's like, No, you're just taking a cut <laughs> and not adding anything to the mix. Yeah. And Siegel had <laughs> Lucky Luciano's blessing. So it's like Jack Dragna had no choice. Yeah. But- so he's basically just giving this guy money yeah. for being around. Right. Yeah. In 1934, Siegel rented a home in Beverly Hills and he split his time between LA and New York. His wife and daughters remained in New York while he was out gallivanting around L.A., fucking a lot of broads. In addition to making money through the gambling rackets, Siegel himself gambled nearly every day. He loved the horse tracks. And because he had inside info on which horses were good, he made a lot of money doing this. A percentage of Siegel's earnings went to the syndicate, but he also used some of his riches to fund his brother Maurice's education. His brother went on to become a doctor in Beverly Hills. Ooh, a doctor. A doctor. (laughs) He's legit. Yes. The following year, Siegel rented the home of opera singer Lawrence Tibbet in Beverly Hills. Now, this scene of Siegel moving into this home plays out in the 1991 movie Bugsy in a highly fictionalized event. In the film, Siegel bullies Tibbet into selling him the house that Tibbet has no plan of moving out of. But in reality, the house was for rent, and so Siegel rented it. Yeah. I mean, that was just a... It was w- to show his tough way of dealing with things, probably. Yeah, like in the movie, he literally is like, 
I like that house. He's driving around with George Raft. He's like, I like that house. Uh, let's knock on the door and <laughs> say, yeah, give it to me. <laughs> and that's, but he's like, hmm, this is a nice house you got here. I really yeah. like your opera. Now this is my house and I'll pay you above market price for yeah. it, but you have to get the fuck out. He continued to make friends in Hollywood, notably Gene Harlow, who he became very close with. Harlow and Siegel met through their own mob connections. Her stepfather was Mario Bello, who, was, who knew Siegel's associate, Longy's Willman. Longy and Harlow actually dated, but she wasn't that into him. She was, however, into Siegel, and they ended up having an affair. Obviously... Har- Gene Harlow is going to take one look at Siegel and be like, that's the hot one. I want that guy. Yeah, I want the hottest gangster. And Ben Siegel was not just hot for a gangster. He was hot even if he wasn't a gangster. Right. So, I mean... You might as well get the hottest one. Might as well. Right? hmm Now, apparently, Harlow had been sleeping with Jimmy Stewart, of all people... Her interests run the gamut. <laughs> I mean, this is a woman who seeks dick in all places. Yes. Uh, she wants good boy dick and bad boy dick. And, <laughs> and who is the ultimate good boy dick but Jimmy Stewart? I mean, he was... I'm kind of shocked that they dated. I am too. It doesn't seem like a match to me. No, not at all. It doesn't seem like either of their types, but they apparently did have an affair to get to Gene Harlow, Siegel approached Jimmy Stewart on set and was like, hey, what's up with Gene? Can I fuck her? To which Jimmy Stewart replied, uh, you go to hell. You're not going to touch my woman? Get out of here. Uh, this is a Scram, ho- kid. <laughs> That's a direct quote. Yes. Harlow became so close with the Seagulls that she went on to become the godmother to Seagulls' daughter, Millicent. Is that his daughter? Daughter with his wife? Yes. Okay. He's still, I'm, just, I'm just asking. He's still married, by the way. Yeah. Among the other elite that Siegel befriended was Countess Dorothy DeFrasso, who was a wealthy woman who married Count Carlo Dentis. Though he was a count, he actually didn't have a lot of money. All his wealth came from his wife, Dorothy, who had a very wealthy father. I mean, I'm beginning to think that no counts have money. (laughs) Doesn't that always seem to be the case? Like, they have this title, but they're always broke, but they married some rich woman. Like, I think that's happened at least 10 times. They they have a title and they have a villa, but they have zero money. Yeah. They have no, like, they have no assets beyond their villa. Yes. And then they have, like, a wife who's independently wealthy. And she just wanted to be a countess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, could, I would probably do that. It would, <laughs> I yeah. think it would be funny. It, it would be fun to, it would be fun to get like a lower level title. Yeah. Like you wouldn't want to be like a princess or a, a whatever. Like, I think countess sounds the hottest to be honest. To me, I always wanted to be a countess. It definitely I, sounds like goth too. <laughs> I don't know what a countess does, but it seems like the least amount of work yeah. to have a royal title. And you're just like a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Like I'd want to be a... Yeah. And then after that, I'd want to be a duchess. Yeah. Because that sounds kind of cool too. Like you're sort of more casual about right. it. Right. But then also the Duchess of Cambridge, like she seems like she has to do a lot of shit. I think it really depends. You got to get some bullshit country no one ever heard of, like Moldova or whatever. Yeah, or like Malta. Yes. So Dorothy was in her late 40s when she met 30-year-old Siegel. She's an older woman. They became friends, and she would just be just many of the Hollywood society that would be very charmed by Ben Siegel. Yes. While the home he rented from Lawrence Tibbet was in the flats of Beverly Hills, Siegel dreamed of living up in the hills with the biggest stars. And in 1937, he began construction on his mansion located at 250 Delfern Drive in Holmby Hills. The mansion was a staggering 10,000 square feet and would cost $180,000 to build, which in today's money is a lot. Among the 23 rooms in the mansion was Siegel's personal red marble bathroom. Ooh. And he also had a separate bathroom built for his wife, which was decked out in mirrored walls and ceilings. 
I don't want that. I don't. <laughs> do you want to watch yourself taking a shit that much? I don't want that many mirrors in my bathroom. No. I don't like that at all. I don't like a lot of mirrors. I don't even like mirrors where you get out of the shower and it's directly there. No, I hate that. I don't like that. It's just too like disconcerting. Because also when you're in the shower, you can see a person, but it's you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There I was, hate it. At this hotel I stayed at in Vegas one time, there was, they had, of course, because it's like a modern uh, they like you know redid it or whatever, and it had that shower that I hate where it's just the door. Yes, and it like there's no curtain; it's just like an open door and doesn't close. I hate that. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Where you step and there's into a drain it? on the fucking floor. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I don't. Okay, but that sounds. Yes, I know what that is. But there's also the ones where there's no even step. No, this one didn't have the step. It okay, it's just a drain on the floor. It was a drain on. It's a drain on a floor and then half of a glass door. So it's like water just shoots out everywhere. Why does anyone think that that's cool? I don't get why anyone thinks that that's so cool. So many hotels do no, that No, it's now. like a trend it's in bathrooms. Every hotel, it doesn't look that much cooler than a regular shower door. I'm just wondering if there's some reason, like it's easier to clean or like it whatever. Might be, it might be easier to clean. But I hate it. Uh, it's awful. I've seen it in homes though too. Like So it is definitely a trend outside of hotels even, but hotels for sure uh, mostly have it. But That's funny. I just recently saw an LA house... Um, that had an all red bathroom too. Really? Yes. Uh, it was an old house, but I, I can't remember what neighborhood it was in, but it was literally everything inside of it was red, like a blood red. Uh, red's not a good bathroom color. I mean, it looked cool. I would never do it. But if I was looking at homes and saw that, I'd be like, I don't know, maybe I'll keep it. Because <laughs> it was so weird looking. And I, like, I don't know. There's something about the bathroom, like, I blood red for a bathroom. It just seems alarming. Maybe a powder room, like a yeah. you know what I mean, like a guest bathroom that you just have for people coming over for dinner or something. Anyway, this shower in Vegas, it had that glass door, but it also had a mirror directly. Like the you the the mirror above the sink was directly across from it. So you just yeah, saw like yourself that. showering. I hate it, and I was not into that. You know who likes that? Jose Canseco. <laughs> He famously totally. always was looking at himself fucking in the mirror of right. his closet doors. Right. Now, Siegel was really into fitness, and he built a lap pool for his workouts as well as a gym and sauna. He also built a trap door behind the wall of his bed that was controlled by a button in case, in case he needed a place to hide. Ooh. He had lots of little hidey holes nice. in his house. Siegel also installed a trick bookcase in his library that could hide a safe. I love it. Like if I had all this money, this is the kind of house I would build. I've always wanted a bookcase with something behind it <laughs> where you have to pull out the book and it opens. Yeah, the spinning bookcase that, yeah. that leads down to a secret lab. Absolutely. That's what I want. In addition to the gambling rackets, Siegel sought to work more closely with Hollywood. With the blessing of the syndicate, Siegel hounded the studio heads for money to ensure that their background actors would show up to work. Siegel tread lightly, though, with this practice because he also wanted to be an actor himself. Oh. He hung around set with George Raft, and he even brought in footage of himself acting out a scene for the studio heads to look at. Though he wasn't going to have an acting career, he certainly did look and act the part of a Hollywood star. An informant for the FBI later said of Siegel, Bugsy is said to control almost everything for the mob on the West Coast, but he doesn't get directly involved because he wants to stay in good standing in California. Siegel is the only Jew who has built a record of high accord among his colleagues. Another informant said he prides himself on the fact that he has never con been convicted of a criminal offense of a major nature. Along with his fitness routines, Siegel paid special attention to his personal grooming habits, from his daily shaves at the barbershop to his nightly skincare routine. Ooh. He slathered his face with night cream every single night, and he even wore one of those old-fashioned chin straps to bed so that to keep his face lifted and tight. Wow. He's like Joan Crawford. <laughs> yeah. It was like a Joan Crawford chin strap that he wore to bed. Yeah. He was very into his vanity. And like looking hot. I mean, he's in LA now. Yeah. This That's is what, like your job. This is what you got to do. He's, he, he's maintaining that he's the hottest gangster in America. 
I mean, he doesn't even have to work that hard. He honestly, <laughs> he honestly doesn't. He really didn't have to work as hard as he did, but he like really took pride in his looks. Well, he's competing with actors now in his mind, is. not gangsters. In New yeah. York, he, you know, he didn't have that much competition. Yeah. But now that he's hanging around Hollywood, yeah. he's like putting cucumbers on his eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Siegel and his wife, Esta, hosted glamorous star-studded parties at their new mansion on Delfern Drive. Al- among the celebrities who attended his parties were Clark Gable, Gary Cooper, and Cary Grant. Is New- she living there now, or she just comes in? She's moved in now. Okay. Newspaper columnist Florabel Muir said of Siegel, quote, He was the storybook gangster to the romantic, emotional, almost childlike adults who populate the movie colony. He bowled them over with his suave manner, his immaculate hand-tailored shirts, his $200 suits, his $25 ties. For women, especially, he had a strange fascination. Perhaps it was the imagined menace that shadowed his handsome face or the quick boxing grin, boyish, sorry, the quick boyish (laughs) grin. I was like, that could be something. (laughs) He got punched in the mouth. (laughs) The quick boyish grin he flashed for those he liked. Some of them who would have never dared date him enjoyed a delicious tingle among their spines at the thought of doing so. Wow. This journalist is horny. This is a very horny article. Uh, This person has a hard on for him. (laughs) Yeah, she's talking about how like, oh, all these celebrity movie stars are horny for Bugsy Siegel, but like you sound like you are too. Right, she's definitely like, notice me. (laughs) (laughs) And your boyish grin. Siegel was so charming that he managed to swindle hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of loans from various stars with the promise of business ventures. He'd be like, I'm going to open a nightclub. You want to invest? Oh, my God. I mean, he just did that to everyone. And they're like, sure. Yeah. That's how rich they are. They give him $100,000. That's like us loaning someone $10 for a drink or something. (laughs) Oh, yeah, totally. He obviously never repaid any of these loans, but no one really asked him for the money back or asked him even like, hey, what's up with that nightclub? Because they don't want to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Stewart was one star who was adamant about never attending a Bugsy Siegel party. He tried to steal my pushy. <laughs> <laughs> He put his foot down, and he urged others in Hollywood to follow suit. Wow. Look, Jimmy Stewart was kind of a cop. He is a hall monitor cop. He is. Energy, for sure. And I like him as an actor a lot, but I'm just saying he was kind of a cop. He's a goody two-shoes. Like, totally. I don't think that any there's anything out there that proves otherwise. No. Uh, like, <laughs> like, he is famously that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I was shocked by the Gene Harlow. It just doesn't seem like his type at all. I agree. Uh, some of Jimmy's friends told him, like, hey, just relax, yeah. play it cool, just fucking chill out. And Jimmy was like, no, oh, I'll tell him right to his face <laughs> that I don't like him. Siegel did not like being confronted by Jimmy Stewart because he did go up to him. He was like, mister, I, I don't like you. I think, I think it's wrong. I think it's what you're doing. I'm wrong, wrong, I tell you. It's wrong. <laughs> you see, you're going to stay away from the stars. See, go back to... Go back to the East Coast where you're from. And so Jimmy Stewart got heated. He's like, I mean, not Jimmy Stewart, Bugsy Siegel. Ben Siegel got fucking heated when Jimmy Stewart confronted him. Fuck you, nerd. Yeah. Like, (laughs) leave me alone. That's basically what he said. And George Raft sees Siegel getting heated and he's like, okay, okay. Like, you can't kill Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Like, please. He's like the biggest star. Yeah. Like, yeah, just just calm down. This he, isn't like the guy eating spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, like he hasn't even made It's a Wonderful Life yet. Like, just calm down. Yeah, please. George Raff talks to Jimmy Stewart and he's like, hey, just you don't want to get involved. You don't want to go there. Yeah. With Ben Siegel. Calm the fuck down. You don't you don't want to know where this could end up. To which Jimmy Stewart replied, if Siegel wants to try his luck with me, tell him to take his best shot. I'll give him a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> I mean, I'm I kind of admire Jimmy for really going hard. He did not give a fuck. He this is a classic example of a guy who no one has said no to 
and he believes his own hype. Yeah. Like that he is, maybe he was like an amateur boxer. I think he served in the war. Yeah. And didn't realize he wasn't an actual tough guy when it came to real tough guys who will literally bite your nose off. Like, well, do you know what I mean? Like, he's someone, he's like, I believe in the rule of law. Yeah. I believe fair in fighting. Fair fighting. It's fair. <laughs> he's, he's, if he wants to be a man, he, yeah. can, he can try his hand at me. See? <laughs> They'll literally shoot you in the back of your head. They don't give a fuck. And that's what George told him. George was like, dude, he will fucking kill you. <laughs> Now, later, Jimmy's wife, Gloria, speculated that the only reason Siegel didn't kill her husband is because of his audacity. Because Siegel was like, that dude's fucking crazy. <laughs> like, he doesn't know. <laughs> like, no, I can see that. It's almost you have to admire it. It's like, okay. He's like, like it was almost comical to Siegel. Like, this guy's out. This guy really thinks yeah. it was like not even worth it. Right, it's funnier not to do anything in this circumstance. <laughs> just to let him go off and totally. everyone laugh at him. Especially just knowing that he's going to be furious is enough. Absolutely. Because Siegel didn't stay out of Hollywood. He, no. He got deeper in it. In the fall of 1938, the Countess de Frasso told Siegel that she heard from a guy in New York that there was buried treasure worth $90 million on an island off the coast of Costa Rica. Oh, boy. Siegel, DeFrasso, and Mario Bello set sail on the Metha Nelson for the island on a treasure hunting expedition. Would they bring their shovels and like a, a map with an X on it? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Siegel brought like explosives and like garden spades. And oh my like God. they were going to find this buried treasure that the countess alleged. She's like a guy in New York told me that there's, he showed me a map and everything. And she's like, now that we're alone. <laughs> and Siegel was like, yeah. I mean, he just wanted, Siegel just constantly was like looking for the next way to make money. Yeah. So he's down, and I'm sure he didn't. And like, I'm sure he didn't mind going on an adventure. Sure, why on not? this random boat to the coast of Costa Rica. After ten days of searching for treasure on the uninhabited Cocos Island, the team of hopeful treasure finders turned up nothing. Ten days. Yeah, they, they dug around this place. I just picture all these little holes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it was also a really rocky island too. Ugh, I would never. I'm not digging. That's really hard. It's, it's it's a workout. It's totally a workout. So they find nothing. Siegel abandoned the ship and its passengers and opted to fly home. He's like, I'm not getting back on that. Yeah, fucking it was boat. fun going down, but not not. Mm, come on, now that not I, after we're unsuccessful, <laughs> right? Two crewmen on the ship would be charged with mutiny. <gasps> In an article from the LA Times, one of the crewmen was quoted as saying that he left the ship because the captain was an anti-Semite and he was abusive towards him and the other Jewish crew members aboard. Wow. But these guys ended up being charged with mutiny for abandoning ship. I like that they're like, no, he's anti-Semitic. Yeah. <laughs> Like, they were like, seriously, like, I wasn't expecting that. No, that was why they were like, you can't charge us the mutiny. This guy's fucking sucks. Yeah. So the, uh, the crew members also refuted the mutiny charges, saying that the captain allowed them to leave the ship, but the captain claimed otherwise. I didn't know mutiny was actually a real crime. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was just like something I'm on the ship. Like I had to look it up, Desi. <laughs> And this that's what mutiny is, is when you abandon like your duties on the ship going against the captain. It's that sounds like that sounds not like, as like crazy as you think it would be. No. I thought it would be like literal bloodshed. I genuinely thought it was just like a, a low key rule among ship people. <laughs> like not like a legitimate crime. Like Yeah, it, apparently they that's what they were charged with. Crazy. So on the way back to LA, a typhoon hit the ship. <gasps> And like, or it hit the water and it damaged the ship, which then had to be repaired in Acapulco. Nice. So the ship's captain would go on to call the vessel a hell ship. Like, this is a disaster. It this, sounds like the whole thing. From top to bottom, this whole expedition is a disaster. Fortunately for Siegel, he's not on the ship at this point anymore because he's taken a plane back to LA. Yeah. That's got to feel great. Yeah, he's like, oh, <laughs> dodge that <laughs> <That's> ball. <laughs> Dodge the hell ship. That's why I'm lucky. <laughs> when the ship arrived back in L.A., the FBI descended upon it because they had suspected that Lepke Bouchalter was 
aboard the ship, which at this point he was a fugitive. Who's that? He's one of the Seagull's associates from okay. back in New York. He ran the garment industry. Right. And he, at this point, had become a fugitive. He okay. had been arrested and he like skipped bail. So the FBI suspected that Lepke was hiding out on this ship. Right. So that's why the FBI descended upon them when they finally got back to L.A. He wasn't on the ship. But Siegel's name had made the paper in an unsavory fashion because he had been on this ship. Right. And Lepke was his associate. The Los Angeles Daily News referred to Siegel as a New York racketeer. <gasps> he doesn't like that. He doesn't want that. He's trying to make it in Hollywood. The press also speculated about his relationship with the Countess. Ooh. So they're trying to blow up that. Yeah. While Siegel was still out of town on the expedition, a reporter named William Bradford Huey posed as a magazine salesman and entered the Siegel household where he subsequently was hired as a butler. That happened? What is this, a sitcom? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. This whole thing is a fucking sitcom. This guy... This journalist, really ambitious journalist, knocks on the Siegel home while Siegel's still in uh, Costa Rica. And he's like, hey, I'm selling magazines. Like, he just wants to get inside the house, right? Right. And the his wife is like, oh, we're looking for a butler. He hears they're looking for a butler. And he's like, I, I've butlered before. I can- <laughs> I've butted. <laughs> I've done some butt stuff. What does that even fucking mean? I don't even know what butlers do. I just know they answer the door they, and have a silver tray. They, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they do. So uh, he gets hired. This journalist gets, he's like, this is even better. Now I'm going to yeah. be like in the house all the time. There's no way this backfires. <laughs> <laughs> so he would later relay all of his experiences working as a butler at the house in the literary magazine called the American Mercury in 1950. It was around Christmas time and Siegel's parents were visiting, so he got to know them too. So it wasn't just Esta and the kids. Siegel's own parents were at the house while this butler was working right. there. The butler even dressed up as Santa Claus for Siegel's daughters, which they loved. No Hanukkah? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they weren't religious. Right, so they did Christmas. They did Christmas, too. Huey wrote about life in the Siegel home at that time, saying, They were really a forlorn family, living there in that big house that Christmas. Mrs. Siegel was the loneliest of all. Each night after the others had gone to bed, she'd either go with me or send me for the papers. Then she'd trudge wearily up to her room and read about Bugsy and his voyage on the Metha Nelson. Aww. She was lonely. She's in this big house all by herself. Just with the kids, and he's like looking for buried treasure. He's living it up probably even when he's not on, on a trip. Yeah. He's just never there. She wants sex too. Yeah. Siegel returned to the house on December 30th, and Huey continued working there after Siegel returned. This seems so dangerous. I agree. And he was snooping around, too. Yeah. Like, he was you gotta. opening drawers. <laughs> like, if you're gonna like be, what's your point? Well, if you're going to be stupid, I guess go full stupid. Yeah. Go all the way, totally. right? It's at, probably hard to resist. <laughs> at one point, he had managed to pry open a cabinet in Siegel's office where he discovered incriminating documents. He watched Siegel's men also coming in and out of the house, and he, at this point, feared of being found out because, like, he'd watch gangsters come in and out totally. and have little meetings with Siegel. Finally, in January, he quit working for the Siegels as their fake butler, telling them that he had to go care for his sick mother. The family was gracious, and he was paid for a full month despite having only worked there a few weeks. Siegel's dad, Max, offered the journalist his condolences. Aww. Huey then promptly went to the authorities and ratted on Siegel. Wow. Claiming that he saw incriminating documents at the house. So when federal agents raided the house a few days later, they found nothing. Wow. The LA Times reported on the raid and also reminded everyone of Siegel's embarrassing trip to Costa Rica. Yeah. Which Siegel was steamed about that. He's like, yeah. so your report, your, 
Everyone knows my house got raided, and we're, we have to be reminded again of my dumbass yeah. trip to Costa Rica. Can we just let it go? Please. I don't mention but it again. Why, how did he not have those incriminating documents anymore? Well, the paper said, uh, like, I guess he, the documents weren't incriminating enough. I see. They weren't so useful. The, got it. Uh, so the journalist just made a mistake that they were more incriminating than they were. Yeah. Or Siegel had gotten rid of them at that mm-hmm. point. Uh, it just turned and ended up resulting in nothing. Now, the LA Times said Siegel was a member of the crew. This is what they said in the paper after the raid. It said Siegel was a member of the crew on the ill fated trip to tropical waters made by the Meth and Nelson three months ago. The cruise, once investigated by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, next by the Federal Narcotics Bureau, now reposes in the lap of the United States Customs Service, which today probably will close the file with a no evidence notation. Following the, this press, though, Siegel and his family were ousted from their country club. <gasps> and, wow. and even kids at school were coming up to Millicent Siegel and being like, I heard your dad's a gangster. Yeah. So things are getting a little too hot. Yeah. And did he find, did they find out the butler turned them in or they never found out that? I don't remember. Okay. Anyway, let's take a break. Okay. We'll be right back. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Meanwhile, Lepke is still on the run. You know, he wasn't in that boat, but he is still on the run. He had become very paranoid that anyone could betray him at any moment because he had been overutilizing the hitman at Murder, Inc. Like like he, that's how paranoid he become. He he just started offing people. Right. Like anyone he maybe suspected of being a little shady. This guy's a wreck. Too many murders were happening as a result of his paranoia. Siegel and Lansky were like, we got to rein this guy in. Yeah. Like, please. So they convinced Lepke that he needed to turn himself in and that he'd only face racketeering charges and thus not spend that long in prison. They're like, it's worth it. Just fucking turn yourself in. You'll be out in like two years. Yeah. Like, stop this. Don't stress. Lepke agreed. However, he needed one more person to be taken care of. Murder, Inc. hitman and longtime associate of Siegel, Harry Big Greeny Greenberg. (laughs) Portrayed by Elliot Gould in the movie Bugsy. Greenberg had actually threatened Lepke 
about ratting out the entire syndicate if Lepke didn't give him $5,000. Wow. That's, <laughs> That's a bold move. Very bold. That's a For $5,000? Like, yeah. yeah. Upon hearing this, Lepke sent two hitmen to kill him, but the hitmen lost track of Greenberg in Montreal, and then he went into hiding. Yeah. So, like, well, I if anyone can do this, it's it's Ben Siegel. Yeah. Greenberg was now apparently also hiding out in Los Angeles. So he's okay. like, perfect. Yeah. My best hitman to, to off this guy in L.A. So... Lepke was still intent on having him killed. He wanted Siegel to do the job. But he would have to wait because at this time, Siegel was in Italy with the Countess. On this trip to Italy, it was the spring of 1939, and DeFrasso sold her friend Mussolini some explosives. Wow. She had these like hot new explosives that she was touting. (laughs) She's like, they don't make a sound. Yeah. They're very high tech and you're going to love them. Wow. And Mussolini was like, that sounds great. And he gave her $40,000 for her supply. But these explosives ended up being a like bunk. Right. They were, they, they didn't work. And he was pissed. You don't want to anger Mussolini. And that's why World War II started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was like really upset. So he wasn't a fascist before (laughs) this is what caused it uh no it was already 1939 uh so Mussolini was irritated with her so he's like you need to I'm going to evict you from the villa that you guys are staying at you're getting evicted from Italy okay (laughs) (laughs) that's what he said to her and so Mussolini's like and I'm moving in some of my friends so like you guys need to leave the villa Okay. So the friends that Mussolini was like allowing to stay at this villa were <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Paul Joseph Goebbels and Hermann Goring. Really? Yeah. Two very high ranking <laughs> Nazis. My buds need just a place my, to crash. <laughs> just my two Nazi buds need a place to crash in Italy. And Siegel was like, oh, I want to kill these guys so bad. He should have. The, well, one mur- the two murders we all would have been like, great. I mean, he was like going to do it. He was really excited to kill these Nazi fucks. Uh, that would have been an amazing. Can you even imagine? Ugh. Also, what that would have turned him from like gangster, whatever, to like international hero. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, right. And he he was going to do it, but the Countess was like, mm, no, I'll get in trouble. Well, now, what was his motivation for doing it? Like, as a Jewish guy? Okay, yeah, yeah I'm mean, just saying because he got they were Nazis, or because he got kicked out of the villa. Like, because I can oh. see both reasons. Oh well, it was a hundred. So he was aware. I mean, it yeah. was a hundred percent because they were Nazis and he was Jewish. Yeah, and he knew enough about what was going on. Yeah, yeah. like he knew he was like the fuck those guys. Oh man, I really wish he did it. But this bitch countess was like, stop. That's what she said to him. She's like, I'm going to get in trouble if you do that. Please, Ben, please don't. I'm surprised he listened. Were they fucking at this time? I think they had to Because that's the only reason I can see why he'd listen to her. What kind of pussy is that that they make you not kill a Nazi? (laughs) What kind of pussy is that? I I don't know. This is... I don't like this bitch. No, I don't either. So unfortunately, Siegel did not murder any Nazis while he was in Italy. However, Meyer Lansky did fuck up a lot of Nazi asses back in the States at this time. Nice. Now, that's a great story, and we will talk about that when we do an episode on Meyer Lansky. But Meyer Lansky, he took matters into his own hands. Love it. He kicked asses. Nice. We'll get into that later. When Siegel returned to the States, Lepke asked him to kill Greenberg, and Siegel was like, okay, I'll do it. Lepke turned himself in on August 24th, 1939. Greenberg was, in fact, hiding out in Los Angeles. Him and his wife, Ida, were living in a small apartment in Hollywood, and they were going under assumed names. Siegel employed hitman Albert Alley TikTok Tannenbaum to assist with the job. <laughs> Catchy. <laughs> Honestly, I'm so... Like, gangsters have the best names. I mean... They're all pretty good, and then every once in a while, you're like, "Okay, that's in- that's incredible." <laughs> <laughs> like Ali TikTok, 
TikTok Tannenbaum. TikTok Tam- Tannenbaum. That's a great name. I even like Big Greeny Greenberg. <laughs> like, I it's sort too. of obvious, but works. Like, yeah, I like it. So he he's like, I need your assistance with this job. TikTok Tannenbaum. He traveled to LA from the East Coast with two guns. Siegel and Tannenbaum met several times in Hollywood, carefully planning this hit. Siegel also recruited hitman Frank Carbo for the job. The plan was to take two cars to Greenberg's house and wait for him to come home after his nightly trip to the drugstore on Hollywood and Vine where he bought his newspaper. Carbo and Tannenbaum would be in one car and Siegel would be in his Buick. When Greenberg approached his door, Carbo would run up and shoot him. Then Tannenbaum and Siegel would switch cars and they would drive away. So this was kind of like a complicated maneuver yeah. here. But Siegel was like, trust me, this is how I do things. He kind of had a weird flair yeah. for these hits. Like he had a weird method, but it worked for him. Uh, so Siegel also said, look, if anyone follows us, Tannenbaum should crash the Buick into them to stop them. Okay. And it was a weird plan, but like I said, he liked weird plans. And the hit was a success. On November 22nd, 1939, Greenberg was killed outside of his apartment. Carbo shot him five times. The getaway went smoothly, too, and no car crash was needed. Greenberg was gone, but a new threat immediately popped up. Abe Kid Twist Rellis. Uh Uh-oh. Following his arrest for murder in early 1940, Rellis sang like a canary about Murder, Inc. to avoid execution. Lepke would then be charged with murder. Oh, shit. And subsequently executed because of this dude singing. Yeah. In August of 1940, the L.A. District Attorney ordered a search warrant on Siegel's home. When the cops arrived, Siegel's butler answered the door. He got a new butler at that point. And he was like, Siegel's not home. You rang? You rang. <laughs> they went in anyway with their guns drawn. They went upstairs to Siegel's bedroom. One of the cops put a hand on the bed and was like, it's still warm. <laughs> 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 and so they're like, he's somewhere in this house. Oh, man. He just got out of bed. So they go rifling through his closets. They can't find him. That's when they looked up and noticed the trap door leading up to the attic. They climbed up, and there they found Siegel dressed in a silk robe looking very embarrassed. (laughs) Oh, man. One cop said, hey, Ben, what are you doing up there? Ben Ben replied, I'm going to the barber shop. (laughs) Zing. (laughs) What do you think I'm doing? Yeah, what do you (laughs) (laughs) think? Going to the barber shop, you smart ass. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, why are you guys in my house? And the cops replied, Big Greenie. And Siegel said, Big Greenie, never hoid of him. (laughs) Siegel was arrested and taken to jail where he was greeted by a horde of photographers. He was furious because his hair wasn't combed. Mm. He was, oh, he was mad. Yeah, not my big big day in pictures. (laughs) And coif my hair. He asked for his lawyer immediately. And a comb. And a comb, probably. (laughs) Now, this arrest was obviously bad news for Siegel because his name was now splashed across every paper saying he had been arrested for murder. Siegel was held in L.A. County without bail. The L.A. Times reported, Greenberg's death remained a mystery until Benjamin Krakauer, New York gangster, was killed in the East. Information was then obtained by New York police linking the two slains to the same mob. While Siegel was in jail, detectives returned to his home to conduct another search. They found his safe hidden behind his fake bookshelf. <gasps> Inside the safe was jewelry and also two guns, a 38 caliber revolver and a 38 Colt automatic. Detectives also discovered books containing the numbers of a variety of Hollywood stars. They found evidence of Siegel's daily trips to the Santa Anita racetrack as well. Siegel pleaded not guilty to the murder. Following the plea, the L.A. Daily News printed, Most of the swagger had left Benjamin Bugsy Siegel, alleged West Coast brains of Murder, Inc. yesterday, when he pleaded not guilty to a charge of murdering Harry Big Greeny Greenberg last November. 
Frank Carbo was also charged with the murder of Greenberg. And cooperating with the investigation was Al Tenenbaum and Abe Rellis, who were going to spill everything about the murder <gasps> to the police. Not TikTok. TikTok, they got him. <laughs> he, so he flipped. They both testified at the grand jury hearing. The pair was flown in from New York and to the courthouse under a watch of guards. After their testimony, five men would be charged with the murder of Greenberg, including Lepke, who, of course, was already in prison. Tenenbaum and Rellis would not be charged because they squealed. Hmm. Siegel's multiple requests for bail were denied, but he was treated more favorably in jail than the other prisoners. He had a private shower, a comfortable bed, and even had food taken to him from Ciro's. Wow. He, like, got to do DoorDash in jail. <laughs> That's incredible. Basically. He, like, I mean, he ordered, like, chops. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to get the veal chops. <laughs> so he got caviar. He got pheasant sent to him Jeez. at one point. One of his fellow inmates pressed his suits and shined his shoes. Like, I mean, wow. people were like, this guy's a legend. Yeah. We're going to take good care of him. He was even allowed to leave jail multiple times to see his dentist. The papers reported on this with jail officials having to deny that he was receiving special treatment. Siegel was also escorted by a guard to go on a date with this new woman in his life. So he went on a date with a new broad. But not his wife. (laughs) That's incredible. See, that's swagger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I disagree with the paper that he had lost his swagger. I, I think it's stronger than ever. That's... Like, incredible. So he goes on a date with this actress named Wendy Berry. They would go out to eat at Lindy's restaurant. Now, I couldn't find a menu for this restaurant, but according to a matchbook from the restaurant that's for sale on eBay, it says, Lindy's restaurant, famous for hickory broiled steaks and chops. I mean, I feel like that's the only kind of restaurant that existed in this era. (laughs) Like steak and chops restaurants, maybe yeah. Italian. No, it's 1941. That's literally all you, you can eat in Los Angeles. Yeah, if it's a fancy restaurant, it is steaks and chops. Yeah. That's it. So they went to Lindy's. The editor of the Los Angeles Examiner investigated and reported on Siegel's excursions and discovered that the jail's doctor, Benjamin Blank, was on Siegel's payroll. <gasps> they also learned that Dr. Blank had been a passenger aboard the treasure hunting ship. Oh. They're like, this guy, they knew each other from before. They're friends. Yeah, yeah, you never asked. (laughs) (laughs) We're hiding it. So he was fired from his job at the jail following this revelation. Siegel's like, God damn it. Yeah, that was good. Meanwhile, Siegel's friend George Raft warned Wendy Berry about spending too much time with Siegel. He's like, you might get hurt, but she ended up going around. She's like, I hope so. She ended up going behind George's back and told Siegel, like, your friend told me that I might get Hoyt. Oh, my gosh. And Siegel was like, why I ought to? Yeah. He was when pissed. I get out of here. I swear to God, George Raft. He's a, I mean, we should do an episode on George Raft. because that, Yeah. 100% we should do an yeah, episode Yeah, his on. life is crazy. Maybe you'll, you'll do that one. So <laughs> Siegel uh, is fucking pissed. At George for trying yeah. to cock block him with this broad, basically. <laughs> so this betrayal led Siegel to drive to Raff's home following his eventual release from jail and threaten him with a gun. But fortunately for Raft, he was very good at talking his friend down. Yeah. While Siegel was in jail, he made a large cash contribution to the campaign of L.A. rival district attorney the guy who was currently in power. This guy was John Dockweiler, and he ended up winning. Siegel was pleased and expected a release from jail in exchange for the $30,000 he gave to the campaign. (laughs) But Dockweiler did just the opposite. (gasps) He publicly denounced the contribution, and Siegel would remain in jail as he awaited trial. I mean, that's pretty dense of Siegel. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, the guy clearly can't look like he's helping him after that donation. Right. He's like, well, we took the money, but we had no idea it came yeah. from Siegel. And then they gave it back to Siegel. And yeah. He was irritated by that. 
But as luck would have it for Siegel, word came in from New York that the state's key witness, Abe Rellis, was sick in the hospital. Hmm. And he, he had a bad meatball. <laughs> <laughs> and he would not be able to testify. Convenient. Now the trial was facing delay. Following this news, the other key witness, Tannenbaum, was released from his order to testify in L.A. as decided by New York District Attorney William O'Dwyer. So they don't have these two key witnesses anymore, and Los Angeles has no case against Siegel. The charges were dropped, and he was released from jail. This was December of 1940, so he was in jail for a few months. Siegel told the papers, I am keenly disappointed in the dismissal of this case. I am absolutely innocent of this offense and have sought nothing but the opportunity to establish my innocence in a fair trial before a Los Angeles court and jury. He's happy. Of course. (laughs) But he's like, I just wanted to... I wanted to prove my case in court. In a fair (laughs) court of law with a jury of my peers and tell you all the truth and... Have it be fair and square. That's Just- got to be feel great when the cases drop, but then you get to go up and act all on Noble. your high horse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so he's out. So next week on part three, we're going to be talking about Siegel's attempt to go legit with his Las Vegas operation. I love the idea of going legit <laughs> in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it clearly just devolves into like, Oh, boy. Total, you know. This is why I had to make this a three-parter, because there's absolutely no way I could squeeze the whole Las Vegas shit into this. Absolutely. And you know I love talking about Vegas. I know. So get ready, guys. Yes. It's coming. Well, you can't wait. Uh, We'll We'll look forward to the Hollywood Bugsy picks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, There's lots of them. So we will see you all next week. We're going to record our after show now for Patreon, and bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.